Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, the word is out. They're gonna talk about the VOD and the silver. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 631, Raya and A Last Dragon. The streak continues. I all... <laughs> it might te- be I mean, technically, there. I mean, it, there's a, a, a Last Dragon in it, so... <laughs> <laughs> well... Spoilers, no there's not. Well, it depends on when you watch the movie, you see? I mean, they could get you on the technicality. Yeah. So uh, let's go around the uh, virtual table and we can introduce ourselves. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. There is no Joe this week, so we'll let that you decide if that's a good or a bad thing, but he's not here. And uh, joining us from Strange Harbors, it's Jeff Zhang. Hi. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? I stumbled because I was like, wait, was it Jeff or Jeffrey? (laughs) No, it's okay. Thanks for having me. It's It's a pleasure to be joining you guys to talk about this movie. Um, so my name is Jeff Zhang. I'm editor-in-chief in fil- of the film and pop culture blog Strange Harbors. I am a film critic and writer and the host of my own podcast, The Strange Harbors Podcast. Um, yeah, it's great to be here to talk to you guys about this movie. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Um, we th- yeah. Thanks for getting... Where are you at? Where are you located at? I'm in New York. Okay, so uh, you, York we City, didn't yeah. get you up at like 6 o'clock in the morning to do this. I'm, I'm up at 6... Like in the morning, anyway. I've got a one-year-old, so oh, that'll do um, it. <laughs> I I left my wife with a kid this morning just to come in and, and do the podcast. So it's a, it's nice to get a little reprieve in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely, I just it's it, well, here's the worst thing. So I'm on I'm at the other end of it, right? I have a 21 and a soon to be 17 year old, and so now I can sleep in, but it's like I just wake up <laughs> at it like. 5.30 on a Sunday for no reason, and it sucks. I remember watching, like, my parents and grandparents do that and thinking, what is wrong with them? And it's like, you don't have a choice. <laughs> it just happens. 
It just that's what you have to look forward to. That and a lot of peeing. <laughs> Yeah. On your part. From, okay. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say from the baby, because I'm dealing with that now, well, yeah. too. But then, okay. Yes. No, it will switch. <laughs> <laughs> and then soon they'll be changing your diapers. And... <laughs> A reversal of fortune. <laughs> uh, I, before we uh, dig into the movie, uh, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. Uh, while you're there, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And, of course, leave a review if you would be so kind. Uh, so the people coming along after you know that maybe we're worth a shot. And then uh, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And uh, one of the easiest things you can do to support the show is just uh, share an episode uh, with friends or loved ones, like through your social media, and don't just go around telling them. I mean, you can, but it's not as effective. So uh, <laughs> um, people who were kind enough to share an episode this week, Chris Williams, Librarian Cynthia, Lane LeVanway, Travis Tewitt, uh, Ralph Tribble, Tammy Sherman Powers, Chris Falls, Heather Sachs, Gabriel Lugo, Julianne Jordan, Aaron Marlowe, Ron Johnson, Glenn Cougar Mellon Brewer, Chris Magic Man, Chris Sanders, Brad Hyen, Cinema Recall, Mike Mike and Oscar, Colby Mack, Emmett Miller Film Reviews, The We Have a Hulk Podcast, Josh Dykstra, Invasion of the Remake, The Movie Journey, It's a Fandom Thing, Geek to Me Radio, Die Christine, Matt Neglia, Ronnie Castle, Binge Films, Feel and Film, In Session Film, and Ryan Terry from the Forza Crowd Podcast. So thank you very much, everybody, for sharing. We greatly appreciate it. And finally, one last way you can help out, our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers, where for five bucks a month, you get all sorts of bonus content, and you help us out, like when a computer uh, shits the bed, which happens. So thank you for everyone who, who does all of that. There's everything. I guess let's, uh, let's dig in to Raya and the Last Dragon. See, I do actually know the title. <laughs> <laughs> we never doubted you. Well, oh, I'll take that back. Yeah, there are times yeah, I don't uh, know the title. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> I should explain to Jeff. I get, like, sometimes movies have thes for no reason, or they don't have thes when they should have thes, and it causes me unending consternation, and I always fail at it. <laughs> sometimes it just drifts into movies without thes, or sometimes right. with two thes. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite band, the the, <laughs> the, the. <laughs> so Raya and the Last Dragon. I, you know, I I didn't look too much up into this film uh, as it was going through development and and everything, and and really it just when it hit like a year ago when they were showing images and trailers and things. I I that was the first time I really learned about the film, and it looked really cool. And of course, I stayed away from the trailers as I usually do, and just uh, but. Disney is always getting better with the animation and, you know, they keep looking better and better. So all these images were stunning. And, um, you know, I was really, I really enjoyed this film overall. I just, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew it would look breathtaking. And I thought it was a really cool adventure movie. I, I loved uh, all the Eastern culture, uh, the animation, I thought the voice acting was excellent. Um, so I, I just going into it, didn't really know what to expect. And I think this is, you know, pretty much top tier Disney, you know, of their, of their uh, CG stuff since they came back from with Tangled and Zootopia, Big Hero 6 and all that. So um, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, I, I know Tom... I, I'm curious what Tom's thoughts are because uh, we only had a brief conversation before this, but uh, where did you land on this one? I thought this thing was a snooze. Oh. It just, I like, I, it's a beautiful film. Uh, and, and yeah, the voice acting is great, but from a story standpoint, it's a beautiful film. Uh, 
Like I just, I you know, I really got put off by this, uh, this, this theme of trust in the film hmm. because the movie opens with someone trusting somebody and literally destroying the world that they know. Everything about the world is completely effed because this guy trusted somebody he shouldn't have. And then I don't, re- I never really saw any reason that we should choose to trust people again other than wouldn't that be a cute message? And so, like, I just found myself getting really frustrated with the story of this film because I'm just like, why would why would any of these people trust each other after what had just occurred? I didn't really feel like we ever had that moment that, like, that caused uh, some sort of epiphany within a character or characters that would justify, like, let's trust again. Okay. Well, yeah, let's get into that as we get through the story, because I do think that's interesting. The film is clearly based on that and what they learn along the way and uh, eventually beginning to trust each other. Uh, Jeff, what was your background with the film and and what where did you end up landing on it? Uh, I think, Kevin, my experience is probably the same as yours. I didn't pay too much attention to it just because of like the pandemic mm-hmm. and like, you know, like it's like big, big Disney blockbuster type film and um, you can't really see it in theaters. I'm just not so up to date with like the big studio movies like these days, but um, but closer to the release date, I, I started paying more attention because, you know, it had a lot of Southeast Asian representation, which I really liked. But I think this is good because we have a good representation across the spectrum of how we receive the movie. Um, you guys are at two opposite <laughs> ends. I think I'm kind of in the middle. I do agree this is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. It's beautiful. Um, I think... Disney just uh, pulls out all the stops with each new release that they do with their animation studio. I think, I think this one's like Frozen Two was only like what a year and a half ago, and this already looks like heads and shoulders above it in terms of like animation and like I think like the physics animation has gotten to the point where like you can actually do like a a real martial arts type epic, right? Like I think the the fight scenes and everything in this are are great. That's what's um, cool is we've never really seen that in Disney animation. Yeah, we've never seen that. Um, so I thought that yeah. was really cool. And speaking to Frozen 2 real quick, I remember when that trailer, like the teaser trailer came up and you saw the water physics and everything and how photorealistic mm-hmm. that one looked. And I agree, like at that point, it was on a whole different level where they were they had stepped up their animation so far. And this continues on that, especially when you look at the water. I mean, since Moana with the water, I think, really, Moana, Frozen 2, and then this, uh, they've really nailed that look of it in the lighting and reflection and everything. So, yeah, breathtaking visuals. Right, yeah. and But I also agree with, with Tom that um, I think the, the through line of trust is a little ham-fisted in this. I think they kind of beat you over the head with it. Um, and doesn't really quite earn like the big moment in yeah. the end. Um, I don't. I don't think it does. But you know, it's in the end, it's a kids movie, and I think there's a little bit of dissonance with like all the fighting and the combat in this movie, and how ultimately toothless it is a little bit, just because you know it's. it's I get what for I get. We did there yeah. toothless. Dragons, nice. <laughs> the wrong wrong dragon movie. I didn't even. I didn't even make the wrong dragon movie right. But you know. When you say, you know, oh, it's just a kid's movie. Okay, but, like, don't you think maybe teaching kids to have trust in people for no reason isn't maybe the best message to send a kid? Right? Like, I mean, there are a lot of people that will victimize children. And I don't mean to be like, this movie's encouraging kids. But, but I mean, right, right, but right. it's like, on the one hand, you go, well, it's a kid's movie. and you, you, but, it, 
but on the flip side, like, well, may- maybe that's more of a reason to be upset. Well, and upset's a strong word. That message would be better if, if it was earned. Right, totally. Like, I, I don't feel like this movie, and, and I guess we'll get to it as we dig into the, the plot points, but I don't, like, I, yeah, I agree that I don't think the movie ever really earns the pivot that it makes in Return to Trust when literally the first two-thirds of the movie is her dealing with the ramifications of her dad trusting everybody for no reason, and and then the solution is for her to just trust those exact same people one more time. Like, that, that I don't know. Like Well, I mean, and yeah, we can get into it more as we go, but to me it was more of the overarching, like, the idea of trust. It's not just blind trust, and it's not like, well, you, one person should just trust whoever, but I think it was more of a message for a better world that everyone should learn to trust and work together. And so uh, at face value, I can totally see, like, in today where you have to be careful and there's a lot of creepers out there, and, you know, you have to teach your kids to, mm-hmm. to be careful and not just blindly trust, but I think the film is telling us that if everybody would work together and trust more as all these factions had to do all different people young old no matter who they are you know if the world would be a better place so i don't think it was yeah. just like hey you kid learned this lesson it was more like wow wouldn't this be a lesson for a I, better world i guess the difference is that like most messages in kids movies you can do unilaterally and have them be successful to some degree right like follow your dreams mm-hmm. right we see that one all the time uh you know uh and, like, you can follow your dreams even if someone else isn't following their dreams, right? But if you trust someone mm-hmm. and they're not trustworthy, you trusting them doesn't make them trustworthy, right? right? Just You're like just we see. Going, it's, yeah, it's the so beginning it's, of the movie, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, so, like, it's, it's not, trust isn't something that you can just, you know, do unilaterally. If you trust someone who isn't trustworthy, you're going to get burned and so and we see it happen in the movie mm-hmm. and and so like that's that that was one of the big problems i had with the movie and is just that i'm like this is a weird thing to build the film around and i thought that like there'd be some moment where where we'd see like some sort of like r- true m- movement towards how they rebuilt trust and it was really just somebody's just kind of like well i guess i won't screw him now and why don't you believe me? And I'm like, well, because look what you did. Like you haven't you you got to re-earn that. And I don't really feel like that character did. But well, let's dig I, into them. Yeah, as yeah. we get through it, maybe we can look at the film and the moral more is, uh, you know, you can get more done if you work together rather yeah. than apart. Because while trust is a theme of the film and you have to trust each other, especially when we get to that big moment, it's still all the factions just being what they are factions and and working in you know independently of one another so rather than just use the word trust we can say work together which is a really a basic principle of a lot of kids things and so it's more like sure. instead of doing it on your own and being the best and wanting prosperity for your land let's all work together and share things and you know and then we can trade our crops from our different lands and and you know everything's better together so uh, but yeah, so this story uh, is about a mystical land called Kumandra, and uh, it's this ancient, uh, you know, ancient civilization. Uh, and, and of course, this movie is heavy with the Eastern culture, and so uh, dragons exist. And there's this; it's just you see this beautiful landscape. Uh, the land of Kumandra is uh, actually the the river flows into what looks like a dragon, 
and so uh, when this evil mist, this evil spirit, the Droon, comes through, uh, it splits the people apart, and it splits the land into five different factions. So you have the let's see if I can get these right. The Fang, you have Fang, which is like the main big bad bad guys of the movie. You have Heart, which is the good guys and where Raya is from. Uh, you have Spine, you have Tail, and you have Talon. Is that right? Wasn't there like spleen yeah. and butthole? No, they <laughs> no. Unfortunately, they turned to stone, and there wasn't enough X lax. It was a whole thing. They they just had to stay cemented up. Uh, but that makes sense. Who would trust a butthole? Right. Like that's, even that's a bridge too far for this screenplay. <laughs> so, so uh, and, and, you know, not a lot of fart jokes in this movie. You know, some kids' uh, movies they lean on the fart jokes, and this one doesn't have to go there. I like that. We don't need the fart jokes. Uh, so, so the. What there are dragons, like I mentioned earlier, at this time, and uh, the dragons end up. This is like 500 years before the story really takes off, and we see little Raya. But telling the story of how everything came to be, uh, there were dragons everywhere. They all have different powers that we come to find out from different parts of the movie that we're going to see, and um, they use all of their last remaining power to fight off the Druun, uh, who is everything that it touches, it turns the people to stone, and so they use their powers, they're able to get the people to turn back into their human form, but in doing so, uh, they're drained of their powers, and they end up turning to stone, um, but they put their power, the last of their powers, into an orb, and so the different dragons have, and, and of course, we learn this all throughout the movie, but for people that may just be listening uh they their individual powers are in this orb and so it contains them all uh and it is what keeps the drone at bay for hundreds and hundreds of years so this orb ends up uh it's guarded and protected by the people of heart so that would be raya and that would be her father uh who is played by uh, daniel day kim uh, and this movie does have a great cast of actors. Um, they, they came always great as always. Uh, he plays Chief Benja and, and again, Raya's father. And he's teaching her about you know, the responsibility of protecting this orb. And, uh, you know, we see our first really good martial arts sequence where you don't know what Raya is doing, but she's she's sneaking into this uh, cave where you see this you know, mythical orb floating there, and uh, she faces off against who we find out is her father, and uh, we see how skilled she is from a young age. She's been training all this time. Um, and so her father ends up having all the people who are now at this point uh, they're all very split off into these five factions, and he wants to bring them together because he realizes that, uh, of course, things together will you know they can work together and, and they'll be much better than everyone fending for themselves uh but these other these other lands the other four areas blame heart uh for hoarding the orb as opposed to just protecting it they feel like the orb is bringing them prosperity and they have very nice looking lands and plentiful food uh and so when they are invited to this dinner uh uh Fang ends up orchestrating an attack, and uh, we're meet, we're introduced to Gemma Chan's character, Namari, uh, who is the, around the same age as Raya, and she is huge. I in always dr- love when kids' movies like trust the fate of political machinations to like eight-year-olds yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they're around the same age and she's really into dragons so she ends up infiltrating uh gaining raya's trust because raya loves dragons and namari has a necklace and and she has stolen the map about you know where you can find the last dragon the titular last dragon uh sisu who who is supposed to be the one that did not well, i know it's a female dragon but i don't know we should say that <laughs> what did what did i say titular oh <laughs> 
It's a kids' movie, Tom. For God's sakes, you're the one that said titular. <laughs> so, so uh, Namari ends up uh, gaining her trust, and of course, the naive Raya, who just wants a friend and isn't used to having that, uh, says, "Oh, well, guess what? If you like dragons, boy, do I have something to show you!" And she ends up taking her right into the secret guarded lair of the orb, and of course, Namari's like, "Oh, that's so great!" And then z- ends up kicking her to the ground, and you know, reveals that she's really just been playing her all along and thanks for leading me right to it and that she's going to steal the orb and now fang will have it and be prosperous and be in charge and all that stuff so she ends up sending up this firework to tell her her mom and and the other warriors from fang it ends up all the factions converge onto the the cave and uh they they see it and they all fight over it and struggle for themselves to get it for themselves uh they end up breaking the orb into pieces and each of the leaders of the factions steals a piece of the orb so we see that the drone comes back it starts turning everybody to stone that it touches and only the people with that orb are able to fend it off uh in the process where everyone's getting attacked and turned to stone raya's father uh during their scuffle which again the martial arts stuff is really cool that we touched upon uh not only do we see raya and her father with their their training session or you know their sparring session but we see her father fight off fend off all these different people that are attacking him to try to get to the orb and we should mention his sword is awesome this is such a cool thing uh and why i really loved this movie aside from the martial arts is how creative they get with the weapons and the fighting and everything and it's never violent i mean you know sure this kid this may be like on the like eight nine-year-old disney movie you know it's not it's not for maybe little little kids but they never get real violent and i'm sure that kids around that age are watching things like whether it's avatar the last airbender or you know other anime i mean well the martial arts aspect allows it to not be bloody like you're not you're not questioning why they're not bleeding true especially with the hand-to-hand stuff but like right with the sword it's not like raya's dad is you know piercing people with swords and you know it's never violent like that but anyway it's really cool to see the martial arts and animation like this because we haven't gotten a chance to see fight choreography to this extent in a disney animated feature and you don't see it in many cg animated films but uh it was really cool to see it uh, at the forefront of this disney movie and her dad has this sword that compartmentalizes he can it actually breaks apart it's this huge sword and breaks apart into a chain like whip kind of a weapon and so he's able to grab things with it and it's a really and we find out you can you know like use it as a uh, like what would you call it like a ch- like you can shoot it into the ceiling and you can a grappling hook yeah almost like a batman grappling hook type thing so it's it's a really versatile really cool weapon that you get to see and, and through this amazing animation it's so detailed how it comes together but uh anyway he's injured in that fight he's shot with an arrow that he deflects because he's that badass uh he deflects this arrow with his sword or something and it, or his hand real quick but it ends up going into his leg so he can't get away from the drone fast enough when they're all running it turns to uh, he turns to stone and he pushes raya off this bridge so that she'll go down into the water and be able to escape from it um and then we that's pretty much how that whole thing went down we've got the five factions they're all split up they've all got a piece of the orb uh, and then we fast forward six years, and that's where we see Raya, the one from the poster and the the trailers and everything. And so, really, the land has turned into a post-apocalyptic wasteland where most. Of- I think this story could have worked better if the dad hadn't turned to stone, and it had been more of like the road, 
Remember the, remember the, yeah, the book, like the them road two together the having to. Yeah, those yeah. two together traversing this world as this dad grapple. Like now he's been burned, and let him be the one that's like, mm. don't trust anybody. And her be like, well, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. just plus it would have kept him in the movie longer. But um, that's a that's a good idea actually. I think I, I like Daniel could take him too. He's I think great. He would have benefited from from a little more screen time. And I don't know. I think it would. I think the fetch questy. Uh, aspect of this movie kind of gets in the way like if you just you know like they're just traveling from land to land trying to get the pieces of the stone and like it's kind of like rinse and repeat yeah. Yeah. right I think it would have benefited if if you, if Raya had someone other than you know Sisu to play off of and I think it would have allowed uh, Sisu to be like more mischievous because like in a lot of ways she almost ends up being sometimes the voice of reason which is an odd mm. position for like the, the comic relief of the film to take on and so right, like right. I, th- I think it would it would allow Raya to play in between these two as like a mitigating force and then and then Aquafina could be I don't funnier I mean I that she wasn't funny but that like she could have it could have been more so instead of she would like her character wouldn't have been needed to 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 advance the plot quite so right much, you know her I mean? I mean really you're right Sisu is the is the voice of reason for a lot of it and uh, teaches <clears throat> has to end up teaching Raya to trust and to believe in people and and you know instead of attacking people give them a gift and and all that stuff so you're, you're right if if Sisu could have had a little bit more fun and then maybe played off of uh, the dad as the straight man or something. But um, on the flip side, I think what this film really does is it's empowering as, as we've gotten many films lately uh, for, for women and, and young girls that are going to be watching the movie. It's Raya is a really cool character, right? So Raya's voiced by Kelly Marie Tran, who you might recognize as Rose Tico from the star Wars, uh, the last Jedi and a couple seconds of star Wars, the rise of Skywalker still will never (laughs) forgive JJ. Abrams for how dirty he did Rose Tico, but you know, we can discuss that another time and already have. Uh, but I, I think Kelly Marie Tran does a, a fantastic job. Like, like she's, we talk about sometimes how celebrities, and of course it's a lot of times when there's a bigger name celebrity, uh, you know, they're lending their voice, but they're not really doing a voice. They're just kind of there. And a lot of kids movies go that route instead of a trained voice actor. And so I don't know Kelly Marie Tran as far as her experience with voice acting. Like I am not familiar with a lot of work. Like this is the biggest thing I've ever seen her do that in. And I thought she was great. Like she, she was a hundred percent giving it her all. I could, I could sense the emotion, you know, those emotion, the weight of those emotional scenes. She was funny. She had that like, you know, leading action charisma to her voice. So I thought she did a fantastic job uh, in the lead of this film. And I'm really glad to see her, being able to take on a big role like this. And I know it's animated, so you're not going to see her in, you know, in front of the camera, but I mean, it's still a huge role. This is a Disney movie. She's a Disney princess by, you know, Canon now. Um, and hopefully it will lead to more things. Cause it's just, it's really a shame what ended up happening with star Wars. But anyway, that'll be the last time I'll mention star Wars, but, um, ever. Uh, well, at least in this movie, at least <laughs> okay. with this movie. Uh, I, I, I find it fascinating that I've, I've noticed that, with the Disney princesses, the and, and I mean it. It's not crazy, but they. Um, I feel like the average age of the voice actor playing the Disney princess keeps getting younger and younger. Like I, I think that they're thinking long term of like, oh, we want these people to be able to voice these characters for thirty, forty years. 
across theme park rides and sequels and video games and appearances and other just all these different media that they'll they'll want to like have them pop up in and so i feel like they're you know they don't want to cast you know a 40 or or 50 year old person to play some of these characters they want somebody who's in their 20s so they can use them forever you know makes sense for a long time you know yeah definitely but so Raya being the main character, and I think her going on this quest by herself, uh, it's more empowering. I don't think the movie would have landed for what they were trying to do as much. Uh, here you have a daughter again, and, and Moana did this really well too. So it's not like we're saying this is the first movie to ever do it, but we definitely have been seeing more of that. Frozen has taken that route. I mean, even from Tangled, you know, Tang- Entangled, Rapunzel. Uh, Tangled is the one that I think rebooted Disney. I mean, I don't know if we're all on the same page there, but like where their Disney animation tangled was the point where disney and pixar the line was blurred and they started stepping up their quality so yeah uh they really started that Mm -hmm, so with tangled i mean she doesn't have to get rescued right so you've got you know flynn rider and he's a great character and everything but he's more goofy and rapunzel's the badass and so so she can handle it herself and we've seen this a lot but now you've got the lead character right you don't have to have necessarily a whole cast uh you know co-leads right like raya is the lead character she's got the sidekick and of course sisu is a huge part of it but really this is raya's movie it is right there in the title and Mm -hmm. uh so she's the strong capable woman that she knows martial arts she's been in the desert for six years you know on her own Um, she of course does have her um her creature her i don't know if you we refer to him as a pill bug, something like that. He's like an armadillo and a bug combined, but he's gigantic. He's voiced by Alan Tudyk because he kind of wasted. I mean, that's his. That's been. His. I didn't even know he voiced him until I didn't even know he but had that, a voice. Right. He was just making like animal. That's his voices. thing, though. You know, Alan Tudyk now is their go-to. He voices like all the animals in all the Disney movies. Which I mean, you know, good good for him. He's he's their go-to for sure. But uh, she has this companion that you know was really cute and and had some funny scenes when she was little, and then he grows up into this huge armadillo that she actually rides. Um, so but, they can sell you both versions of that stuffed right. animal, <laughs> the stuffed animal, and you've got the kids ride along toy. And, uh, so. But Raya is is front and center here, and she she while she does learn that it's good to have the help of others, uh, you know she's very capable and very strong. She doesn't need to get rescued. Um, she just like anyone else can use help and, and needs to work together with people. But I think her going in this journey and discovering it for herself lends a lot more credence to the fact that you know she's more than capable to do that i think if it were her father it wouldn't have only been seen as like well of course he's this older wise more wise badass character i think it would have been more like well you know of course a a guy was helping her along the journey and you know what i mean i think it would have been perceived i get what you're saying i guess i i saw it more is like if it had gone that direction it's yeah. more of like the dad's the one who feels really burnt and isn't trusting anybody mm-hmm, and she's sure. the one kind of pulling him back to like no everyone needs to work together um you know yeah no i really like that idea i just think it would have like uh defaulted to that like that would be part of the conversation that she couldn't find her journey on her own and i think because we've had so many male leads and and especially disney i mean in all film and all animation but especially in disney animation uh you know they're 
they're trying to get away from that to always having the the male lead, like whether it be Simba or Aladdin. I mean, whatever. I mean, and of course you have the Little Mermaid, but you know, historically there's been a lot of these films where there's this male lead, and they want the little girls growing up and watching the films not to just watch the. Um, princess that's good at singing and wants more you know they want the butt kicking martial arts hero and that's what we get with raya who is a really cool character and so uh she goes on this journey and basically like like jeff mentioned really uh, her goal is to reunite these five factions and to do that she needs to well first of all she has to vanquish the drone which she needs the orb and the dragon magic to do um, but she's gonna have to get these pieces together so the film is about her going to each of them uh, but uh, the first thing that she does is she goes to uh, find uh, she steals the map that we saw earlier in the film when they were kids she ended up they don't show you how but she stole it somehow from fang and it is the map of where sisu the last dragon is supposed to be so she ventures to uh, the this area where she uh, uses this uh, little necklace charm thing that uh, Namari had given her as a child and she does uh, a ch- like a spiritual chant type of a thing um, I don't know if you guys have any more information on how to better describe that but <laughs> she gives I do not <laughs> she reads some kind of a, a incantation or, or whatnot uh, and uh, by doing that uh, and putting some water on this thing uh, it materializes Sisu and so Sisu is played by Aquafina, as Tom mentioned earlier and you know it's a really goofy role I I will I like Aquafina a lot I don't I I could see how Aquafina can easily get on someone's nerves like you have to either like Aquafina or you don't I don't know if there's any middle ground with Aquafina yeah I mean I I get what you're saying but it also feel like we could say the same thing about Robin Williams you know really like yeah Robin Williams is irritating like I like I mean like when Robin Williams works it's really funny and when it doesn't work and he goes so fast a lot of it doesn't work I don't necessarily mean yeah. in Aladdin but I just mean in general a lot of what Robin Williams does it's loud and it's fast but it's not that funny like if you read Robin Williams I know this is a hot take because people love <laughs> Robin Williams but like if you read what Robin Williams is saying a lot of times like from his stand-up or when he's on a talk show it's not that funny. Oh, it's not. It's all, yeah, it's not. The, it's all attitude, right? Right. It's not the, and, the and so, words. And yeah. like Robin Williams, a lot of times for for me, more often, like he would irritate me as much as I would love him. Like, huh. and so, so like I I feel like like that's absolutely true of, of Robin Williams. That's you know? an apt um, comparison. I mean, the manic yeah. energy, I can see that for sure. Uh, and I mean, really, this movie is kind of like you know, not to be reductive, but I mean, it's kind of Mulan meets Aladdin, and. And I think one of the mistakes that they made with with Aquafina is not letting her be more Aquafina, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I feel like in Aladdin they let Robin Williams come in and do what Robin Williams does, True. and then and then they honed that down and they picked it, it. It was really similar to like the first director that really figured out how to use Robin Williams was was Barry Levinson in, mm-hmm. in Good Morning Vietnam. And the and what he did was he knew he wasn't going to be able to stop Robin Williams. So he was like, <laughs> you just do what you're going to do. And Robin Williams would do these these 10-minute scenes uh, as Adrian Cronauer where he's on the radio going going crazy and then he'd be like, "Hey, guess what? 2 minutes of that was funny. So, we're going to use that 2 minutes, do these 2 minutes." And then he would do it again and mm. again and hone it and tighten it and then that's what you would see in the movie. And then like 
they kind of did that with Aladdin. They just pulled out the funny stuff and they animated to that, and they left a lot of that on the cutting room floor because it just wasn't that that good. And I I think that they should have let her come in and do what she does and be her, and then pick out the best parts and and build around that. And I really feel like for the most part she was hewing pretty closely to the script and not really being herself. I mean, she would bring her personality with her 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 line reading choices, you know, but I don't feel like she added content in the way that Robin Williams did and and that's a shame. I could yeah, I could see that cuz again, I really like Aquafina. I mean, yeah. uh, I I I do see now looking at it from that way that maybe she felt a bit restrained because it, she didn't get to be in her full Aquafina mode, you know, and and she did have a lot of heavy lifting to do as far as yeah. the lessons, and she had. And in her defense, she's at a very different point in her career than Robin Williams was when he was in Aladdin. Well, right? I think like, that's the yeah, that's the main reason why is it's like she, even though she's had some big movies, like she was in sure. Jumanji two, and then The Farewell, critically success, but she's not the she doesn't have the star power of Robin Williams at this point. My my issue is that she sounds like she's from Queens. So. <laughs> yeah, she. I mean, she is kind of doing the the Danny DeVito uh, parody from Jumanji too, right? It's almost like when she did that impression of him in that movie. It was kind of yeah. like the same voice. But um, I mean, I, I know I know she's caught in some caught some flack for it, you know, just because like it is kind of like the African American AAVE, you know, and and um, people are saying she's like appropriating African American culture, but. I don't know. I think that's just the way that she was brought up, and I don't think that was an issue back then when when she was growing up. So I think that's just the the quirk that she's she's grown up with. I mean, know? that sneaks and, into her speech patterns a lot, though, right? Like that's not a new thing. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think yeah, that's yeah. what he means. It's not yeah. for this movie. It's people in general maybe are making that complaint. But yeah, if you've if you've watched Aquafina over the years, I mean that that is her personality, and that's that's her. Yeah. So I, I, it's a. Aquafina's playing Aquafina. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's a, that's a difficult um, thing to unpack because it's like, it's it's different when white people do it. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, when a, when a, when a white person talks like some something that's not a part of their culture, it somehow, it it feels worse than when other cultures, now it just feels more, I don't know, just the commingling of cultures in a way that it, it doesn't feel when a white person does it. Does that make sense? Am I offensive? I honestly don't know. But I mean, but I can like, say, but there a lot of times like if I cult- started talking like that right now. It's offensive. Right. Right. I mean, it just is right. And in, 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 in a way that like I think when somebody who isn't white now, it's more just like, well, where did she grow up and what culture is she from? And like she grew up in this neighborhood with lots of different cultures. It's it, it feels different. Well, and, Sure. You know, sure. With her, yeah. she's from New York. So think about how right. many different cultures and people are there and, and they all all the cultures melting together. And so clearly the way that she was raised, I mean, it's it's not like she's putting on an act. This is Aquafina, as you said. It's right. Aquafina yeah, playing no, Aquafina. Her. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I didn't have any complaint like that. And because I like Aquafina, so I know I know her stuff and how she acts. But uh I just she has that strong 
personality and she's got the voice that is very distinct and again if you like Aquafina then you're like hey cool it's Aquafina doing something else and I like her or if you don't know her you might be like what is she doing because she does have such a unique sound and and you know but I think she did a really good job with the movie um, I do wish she could have gone a little crazier like like Robin Williams as Tom was saying in Aladdin um, but I think she handled the material she was given well mm-hmm. uh, I think she does a good job with the voice acting I also think her uh, emotional beats she hit those and, and it sounded really good um, overall I really liked her it, it just took me a little bit to get used to and I'm not sure why you know just because I like Aquafina and I was into the movie it just took me a while to get used to that maybe that voice in the dragon the way the dragon was designed you know there was something there's something that didn't fit like when you look at someone like a character or a, a drawing and you say okay voice cast that voice like to me the Aquafina voice didn't fit in the dragon the way that I saw the dragon but once I heard the character and got to know the character of Sisu I think she did a really good job playing that character does that make sense like I just or once she t- she got like her human form I guess was that better for you well or... I mean I yeah I mean that does help to see a human form with a voice but but what mm-hmm. I mean is that I just when I picture that blue sparkly multicolored dragon i just don't pick aquafina i just and, 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 yeah, and yeah, again yeah. that has obviously nothing to do with me liking aquafina it just it doesn't fit right to me right away but i really like the character and how the character was developed and the way that she played the character so now it's like if i watch it again i think i'll like it because i already know it but it just took me a second to get used to it but yeah. um i think some of that is that like um when they drew the genie like he kind of looks like Robin mm-hmm. Williams. I mean, it's not like a dead ringer, but there's there's something about sure. his his face that is reminiscent of Robin Williams without just being a flat out recreation. Of they his would face. do that a lot. Look at uh, mm-hmm. how like uh, Hades, you know, in Hercules. Yeah, you know how how that ends up looking like what's his face that we don't talk about these days. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they there was a period. Yeah. And I feel like that started with the genie or with with the genie like, that like they were like, oh well, if we're gonna get this voice that's that's instantly recognizable to people, let's make that person, let's make that character mm-hmm. kind of look kind of like it. And and I don't feel like Sisu necessarily looks like Aquafina. And I and I don't know if that was just because they figured she's not as well known as Robin Williams was at that point. So they it, they, it, they like the average person watching this movie prob- probably doesn't know what Aquafina looks like, especially mm-hmm. sure. with the age range. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so they maybe they've just felt it wasn't as important. I don't know. But yeah. I, I, I do agree. Ultimately, like I think it might have wor- looked worked a little better if the dragon had looked a little bit more like yeah that might be what it is because i mean the dragon again the animation is gorgeous throughout this whole film and the way that they create these dragons they almost and and i don't mean this is a bad thing but they're so colorful and creative with the design it's almost like my little pony versions of dragons like they're just they're very bright and colorful and i think they're they're definitely tapping into like the kids because you know obviously we see a lot of dragons in film and they can either be like game of thrones big and scary and dark and detailed or they can be you know bright and colorful like mushu's a dragon and and mulan you know but here they definitely make them very sparkly and colorful and so uh very appealing to kids and but the the design either way is is detailed and meticulous the the hair of sisu you know you can see all the little hairs and it's she has like a rainbow or like a multi almost like a cotton candy ish like a blue and 
pinkish kind of a combination to her. So the the animation is stunning, and I think they did a great job. So I think you hit the nail on the head where just me trying to fit Aquafina's voice with that design, I didn't see it right away. Um, but the design is not the problem, and, and she's a great actor. So those things are you know separate issues. But anyway, everything looks really great with, with the animation of the characters, the creatures, the, the little pill bug. Tuk Tuk, I think, was the name of that Alan Tudyk character. Um, mm-hmm. So they're basically on this quest. She says, you know, I need to save my father and all these people, and we need magic. And so um, we find out that Sisu... Her power is dun dun dun. She's talking about all these great powers, and she's like, "I'm really good at swimming." I thought, I thought that was hilarious <laughs> that she got the dragon that was good at swimming, and you know, clearly we see her use her skills. But at face value, when you're on your quest, you're probably looking for a little bit different magic than the swimming abilities. Um, so she's not able to help her right away. But as they go on their journey and get these pieces of the orb, we find out that any orb she comes in contact with, she is able to get that piece's ability and so again you just kind of have to go with the kids movie and magical movie like somehow the orb had all these powers but yet the pieces were split up and each one got a power like i mean there's really no way to explain the how that (laughs) happened even by their rules but each piece of the orb no matter the size whatever has a perfectly sectioned off power if that makes sense so they go on their journey and she along the way is able to get different abilities. So the first place that they go to, um, were they in spine? Does anyone remember the order of where they start off? They were like in the middle of the map. I can't remember the one where they get that first power. It's spine or, I don't remember or tail. All. They're at the end of the map. And so I, th- I think it may have been tail, but they go, I think tails the okay. first one. So they, so they, yeah. so they work their way up from there then. And so they find the leader of tail had been uh, hoarding the power of the orb. And so she's sitting in the middle of this room that has like spikes in this pit. And it's just this column in the middle of it. And so um, her and uh, Raya and Sisu have to make their way over and hijinks ensue, you know, and Sisu has no idea what she's doing. So she's really holding her back at first, but she uses her grappling hook sword uh, to get over the, all the spikes and everything and uh she cleverly uh does the indiana jones booby trap thing and and takes the orb uh and she uh, we find out that sisu gets the power of shape-shifting from one of her brothers or sisters i i didn't keep track of all the names and abilities so you're just gonna have to deal with that (laughs) right so this dragon had shape-shifting ability and we see sisu take the form of a woman and so um and and i could kind of see aquafina in the human form i think maybe they Mm -hmm, made it a little more closely there okay so they they probably debated like what they would do with the dragon and the human and so i think they obviously knew that that was at least important to some respect if they did it with the human character so uh she turns into a human and then as they're trying to escape we see that uh, Gemma chan's character numari all grown up comes and confronts her and find we learn that uh uh raya stole the the map from her and she knew where she would find her and you know they end up having a little fight there and they get away and and uh uh, they escape by water from there. So they this is where we run into our next character. They pick up people along the way, basically from each of the five factions, the other four factions. She picks up a different person from each one to where, if you haven't guessed it by now, as we talked about, they're all going to end up coming together in the end. So uh, she picks up uh, this little kid along the way, who uh, Boone was the character. And uh, he has, all these characters have lost the other people of their village or their family members. So she ends up... Uh, 
they end up boarding his boat and he's got a little like a a food a floating restaurant basically that's docked in this area and uh of course he is just wants to cook for them and they want to escape so they hire him and i thought that was a really fun sequence where she ends up paying him all that jade to help her escape and he's like all right let's go and it looks like it cuts to almost like the sam raimi thing where like they do the close-ups and and it looks like he's gonna hightail it out of there <laughs> and then like the last one his little rowing stick and he just slowly pushes off the dock and uh, that was a really fun moment i like the character of Boone like I I think he was a really good comic relief and it gets the younger you know some a younger character that the little kids can relate to Um, he's supposed to be 10 in this so like I think Raya's 16 she was 10 around 10 when the movie opened so here we have 10 year old Boone and and he's a total ham and 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 most of the comic relief and so they escape with him Uh, the only way they're able to get away is that we find out that uh, Sisu's power actually does have some functionality besides just I don't know, winning gold medals at the Olympics. She's able to go under the boat and use her swimming ability to like, like as a propeller, she turns into a dragon. And we should mention that uh, they're hiding Sisu, the fact that Sisu is the last dragon. Like, because of course, none of these people have ever seen a dragon and they've been gone for hundreds of years. So Raya finds it best to disguise Sisu, which at first as a dragon was that comedic moment where she puts a hat and a cape on a dragon and is like, all right, you're disguised now which was obviously ridiculous. (laughs) And uh, then she has her be the human form for most of it. But a lot of this is hiding the dragon, where I think another moral of the story is, you know, don't hide who you are, which runs through a lot of kids' films. But if they would just talk and communicate, uh, you know, and, and let people know what they're dealing with, the other characters maybe could have helped along the way. To Tom's point earlier, I mean, I could totally see how, you know, she doesn't know who to trust at this point. So she's, protecting Sisu's identity for the right reasons because if she trusts someone else with it they could abuse it like Numari did in the beginning of the film so I can see why Raya isn't quite there with trust yet but I think they are trying to say that you know you have to talk to people and and allow them to help you that's part of what the movie's trying to you know trying to teach you yeah I mean I get what they're going for I just felt like I don't know I just I just felt like that part of the script just yeah, it could it use felt pretty work. weak. Yeah, yeah it, like, especially because of the beginning. You're right. I mean, it's hard when the whole world turns into a post-apocalyptic nightmare because you trusted someone, and then you've got to earn that back. And I, and while I do think all the characters she meets along the way, they have earned her trust, and it teaches her that you can trust people. But it's a huge leap, and also, you know, these characters are very young and not jaded, and and you know, most of these characters, uh, with the exception of Namari, you know, you have to think these are kids, and they're not trained as warriors and trying to take over the orb right so you've got Boone uh, and then they end up going to um, Talon after that I believe and they end up uh, with the little little girl Noi who has all the monkeys so of course you have to have the cute animal sidekicks they sell pop Funkos <laughs> and, and uh, plushies I think already of the monkeys all stacked up together uh, so uh, but we meet her and so you've got this baby I don't know if either of you questioned this. I had to kind of work my mind through it. I'm like, wait a minute. The Droon took everyone six years ago and we have a baby. I'm like, what? But I guess the Droon operates differently. Like it it takes different areas at different times. And we find out in this, the, the leader of um, Talon, I believe where she's from, is like keeps the Droon in a 
like behind a big gate. I don't know how it all works exactly, but so what I'm guessing is that the little kid's parents were taken more recently, right? Like I was just trying to figure out how six years after everyone was killed, is there a a baby? Because well, but I mean, well, but Raya's sixteen. A sixteen-year-old can have a baby. There's a whole TV show about it. No, no, no. The if the if the drone turned everyone to stone six years ago, oh, and how six par- years and the later, parents can you are a, missing. Gotcha. How can you, yeah, so I kept waiting for the baby to not really be a baby. Oh, to pull the like, uh, they do that like, it, it, like in um, Zootopia where you've got like the little fake baby, and then it's like you <laughs> know, yeah, or like Baby Fenster from sure. from a uh, Roger Rabbit, uh, yeah, from Roger yeah. Rabbit. Like I kept waiting for it to be got something it. like that. No, this is a real baby who's like, get, 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 like you know, a really a baby. But anyway, what, I I mean, maybe I don't know if you guys agree, but I'm guessing that the Droon must have taken her parents like recently. Otherwise, that's a huge plot hole. Like you can't six years mm-hmm. later have a babe like that doesn't, you know. But anyway, so my understanding is that uh, the, her like her leader is this old lady and she's a really bad guy. I I think uh, this is uh, Dang Hu is the character uh, played by Lucille soon and uh she basically when they're going through the town this town that's busy like they still do have a lot of people there because the way the leader has the drone blocked off and so she wants to go talk to the person and reason with them and try to get their piece of the orb and then this so-called sweet little old lady comes and when sisu wanders off on her own and boone of course being the naive 10 year old is like yeah just go buy stuff from the shops on credit that's how it works adults use credit and so she starts taking things from each shop and then walking away with them and they're like you know what you don't have credit with us and this little old lady comes and saves her and is like yeah i'll go take you to the leader we find out that's actually her and so she's this really bad guy that it keeps a lot of people trapped behind the gate and kind of feeds this thing i think to keep it at bay and so behind the wall you see all these people turn to stone uh, but raya comes in she rides the pill bug and she saves the day and picks her up and gets the orb piece so they've got that one now so they've got three total um the next place they go to i think uh is the uh, big guy the benedict uh is it benedict benedict yeah wong. yeah benedict yeah. wong uh who you would know is uh the from uh dr strange sorry I'm mixed. there's so many marvel mm-hmm. things to keep track of now i'm like which <laughs> movie and which appearance or whatever um uh, but he was the other sorcerer who kind of trained dr strange you know and and the other protector um there so uh and mm-hmm. i thought he did a really good job too um he plays you know this big brutish type guy uh and he uh when they get to spine and we find out that everybody in his village is has been wiped out or not wiped out i should say so like the way that they do it in this movie again being very kid friendly is the drone just turns them to stone right so if you can break the spell break the curse you know if you can use the dragon magic everybody can come back to life so it's very much so like a thanos snap situation or you know no one's actually getting killed by the evil power here so it's i mean it's nice at least they're preserved there they just have to wait for you know the right the right way to get them out of that um but his whole village has been turned to stone and you get that really emotional beat uh from this character tong where he looks over at the baby's crib and i'm sure like i mean that hits you differently when you have a baby Uh, jeff you have a one-year-old i've got a Mm 10-month-old so you know i mean you can definitely relate to that that if your whole family was taken and and you're just there by yourself and especially you've got this baby and, and family taken from you i mean that hits hard and so uh he of course uh he 
he at first tries to be an adversary as they all are and trap Raya and Sisu uh, and they eventually reason with him because Namari has tracked him down tracked them down uh, with her warriors and so Raya reasons with her or with him and says hey you know you're the only one that knows how to get out of here can can you help us escape and, and we work together and so they end up picking him up along the way uh, and then eventually they get his orb after they get out of this uh, but here's where we get another epic showdown uh, between the characters and so now Raya's been training for six years out on her own Namari who I think I take it as Namari's the better fighter right she's being trained by mm-hmm. by um, Fang she's she's a warrior that has the, the you know her mom and the teachers and everything so I think in martial arts she is the better fighter but she's also clouded by her her rage and her um her what she feels like uh she's being forced to do these things you know it's another one of those like you know listen your parents want you to do one thing and you want to go the other direction but you feel indebted to them and 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 uh, of course family plays a huge piece in in eastern cultures especially like we talked about with mulan and so namari you can tell doesn't want to necessarily do these things that her mom is making her do she's making her own decisions but she's heavily influenced by her so anyway she's she's clouded her judgment is clouded and she's angry and she wants to do right by her mom and so we get this showdown where raya gets to face off uh, once again with namari but we get another great action choreography scene um it's so cool to see uh, martial arts come to life like this like you see, you see so many live action martial arts things that are impressive but the way that they captured it I, it felt real right like it didn't feel like cartoons fighting the way that they got the physics. yeah I think cartoon fighting has like uh, this weightlessness yeah. to it or like they're just characters floating in the air but like this you can like feel the blows yeah. and and like it, I think the physics have come come a long way in the animation and and the technical aspect of it, and I think I think they did a really good job with that. I also think Namari is a great character. I, I just wish we got to spend more time with her. Um, I think she's easily the most complex character outside of Raya in this yeah. in this movie, just because you know you mentioned the her conflict with her her parents and her culture and 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 like her own independence of, about like what she wants to do, right? And and I just wish they could have explored that more. And I. In another world, I could have seen this as being like a Raya Namari movie. Yeah. Like their their relationship is like the through line for this whole movie, and it's a little bit of a shame they didn't go down that route. Um, I think just having Raya like jump from like city to city to gather these pieces is a little repetitive. Yeah. I think, and I think they could have done a little more to flesh out like she's not really a villain. She's like the antagonist, right? She's like the antihero yeah. in this, and and. I yeah. agree. I agree. It's, she she the is movie def- gets very video game esque and just like yeah, level after yeah. level after level, big right, boss right, right, movie right. over. Like and- I think I I can see the complaints and totally why Tom felt like it dragged. I I love the visuals. I'm such an animation nerd and and a huge Disney fan. Not that Tom isn't, but I'm more of a like oh I want the best TV with the 4K and the colors calibrated just right. So I get <laughs> right, into that. Right, and so right. I think there's so much to look at that while I could see how the story was a little repetitive, like point a to point b point b to point c i there was so much at least for me to look at like if the movie hadn't looked as good i think we'd be like all right let's move along here but uh there was so much to take in from a technical perspective that at least that part i think is there to 
balance it out a little bit better. And I really enjoyed looking at the water and the the creatures and the landscapes. They're breathtaking. Again, just absolutely gorgeous. And especially when we get to the dragons here after the, the last uh, stone is put together. Um, yeah, it's really neat to look at. Um, so they end up uh, making it to Fang, which is the last piece. Uh, and of course, that's guarded by Namari's mom uh, has the biggest piece and it's in the staff that she carries. Well, we end up... Uh, we end up having Namari seems like she's going to turn. And of course we can all see it coming from a mile away that, you know, she's going to pretend to be good. And once again, like in the beginning, she betrays Raya and the gang. Uh, she brings the piece, but then she ends up just wanting to, you know, steal all their pieces. Uh, and so she holds Sisu and Raya at crossbow and Sisu, as you know, we've mentioned briefly earlier, Sisu has been teaching Raya along the way, like don't try to attack them, give them a gift offer, you know, just like her dad did in the beginning when he offered all the people a meal to come together. She's trying to teach Raya more like that. And Sisu says, trust me, I see the good in Namari. And, and Sisu looked in Namari's eyes and they had this connection. So, so Sisu could tell she's a good person and she's just conflicted. So uh, Sisu tries to reason with Namari and then she, uh, Raya just jumps the gun and is, is scared that Sisu's going to get shot by this crossbow, ends up whipping the crossbow with the sword thing. Uh, but that ends up uh pulling the trigger, you know, causing Namari to pull the trigger and Sisu gets shot and takes a fall into the water. And like, it's a pretty pivotal scene. Like, I mean, it wasn't like a total fake out scene. Like Sisu at this point is pretty dead. Like that's, that's all that's to it. And like things start falling apart from here because, um, what because the last dragon the last dragon is dead and so with sisu actually dying um and and you see that the world is coming undone the the orb magic is starting to fade uh and the powers are are losing and the drone is able to come back in full force and so it tears through uh fang and it starts turning everybody to stone and uh the our, our gang with the remaining pieces they have to go around and try to save as many people as they can leading them out with the orbs and eventually they kind of fade out and uh raya realizes that once again they're all operating independently and this is how everything fell apart in the first place and so she's playing that memory in her head of of when they all fought over the orb and and then the drone came back and so she realizes we need to trust each other we need to work together so this is this big moment where she says you know we need to learn to trust but i like what they did here well even though i understand where you could see it not being as earned or it's not as clear of a transition or, or growth from the beginning i do like that she says we need to trust and i'm gonna start and instead of her being like hey trust me give me all the pieces she places the orb in namari's hand which namari is the one that just held sisu at gunpoint killed sisu betrayed them blah 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 blah, yada yada so i think that is really cool how they showed that trust where raya is like i'm gonna be the one that actually trusts here see, and- i kind of looked at it as like well at that point you have nothing to lose what you're doing isn't working. <laughs> you you might as well roll the dice. Totally, you know? totally. But I mean, they, she could have also been like, you give me them. Like, I know what we need to do. But it's just the way that she presented it, I think, worked really well. So yeah. She- yeah, it was a nice moment. Yeah, I like it, that. So mm-hmm. I, and they, you know, and these characters have earned the trust. Where I get the through line, you may not be able to say that about all the people in the world, and certainly most of the worlds in stone at this point. But these characters have earned trust. Each one of them has had each other's back and has saved each other throughout this journey. So they end up all giving the orbs to Namari, uh, and it puts together, and the big wave comes out, and the drone is is pushed back, and all that. Um, really sweet moment before that where they all 
touch like hands and all form together and the five of them actually all turn into a statue so it's not like the last one survives and they all turn back they all are statue but uh the power comes back and then they the rain washes over the lands uh the our five characters are all brought back to life everyone in the villages and all that uh and they eventually uh oh and the dragons come back and this is the big moment where we start to see all the dragons all the colors you know they're floating through the sky and they all come together and form like this vortex type tornado thing uh they all start forming these things in the water and they all hover around where sisu died and they bring her out of the water and she comes back to life you know she gets this power back and it's celebration and they're all happy and together she sees her brothers and sisters uh and they eventually go back to heart and they see the father is there and he gets to see raya now grown up but uh he recognizes her and they have a sweet a touching moment and and uh that's that's the movie i mean the 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 lands live in prosperity and they help one another and yeah i i really enjoyed it i i i definitely i mean it may not be the strongest disney movie uh but it's a breathtaking movie i think it has some really good voice performances and uh i like what they were trying to do with with the lessons in it and uh i thought it was really entertaining too with the martial arts stuff i think there's enough action in this movie uh that when you do get it it does kind of offset the the uh, slowness of the journey so it was cool yeah, I, I think the I think the artistry of this movie really helps make up for its narrative shortcomings a lot. I think I think it's just so beautiful and it's really great to see and it's 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 a gorgeous gorgeous movie. Um, even if the the beats don't all all land and um, and I also had a bit of a issue with like the representation in the movie. I think um, I think a lot of the actors are East Asian when. This is like a Southeast Asian type land, you know, and and you know, like Southeast Asia is like eleven different countries, and to kind of like put them all together in this like fictional Kumandra is a little reductive, I think. But I mean, it's a Disney movie. What are you going to do? I think I think representation comes in steps, and I think this is a good step forward. Um, but yeah, I, I wish they cast more Southeast Asians. In, I was thinking about in the I cast. I think that's the yeah. next step for sure because you want representation and so instead of like a white guy playing Aladdin you know like you ended up with all right, with, with all right, that right, stuff right. they used to do which they, they, they cast for the, the star right they cast for the celebrity and so they used to be it didn't matter what you looked like it's a voice and they would cast because you're a name now they got a lot of big stars that are Asian so like the representation's there but then putting Asian under one umbrella like I completely agree and I thought the same thing watching the movie I'm like that's great that they got an all Asian cast uh, but Asian doesn't mean one thing, right? So, so totally. Right, I think right, that's right. the next step. Like they still cast Gemma Chan and Sandra Oh. We didn't even mention Namari's mother is Sandra Oh, uh, and um, Daniel Day Kim and uh, Aquafina and Kelly Marie Tran. These are the big names. Like those are names you know, and they got them all in this, yeah. you know, Asian movie. And so. I agree that I think as time goes on, they'll get more specific with those things. But I feel like they, I feel like they feel they being Disney feel like they have more latitude in that regard since it is a fictional land. Yeah, you know that, and I, right. and I think that's why they 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 because they did this with Moana too, right? Where it's like, like I think the they're trying to hedge their bets by saying we're we're going to like incorporate things from this culture, but it's not a specific culture 
So if we don't get it exactly right, you can't be mad at us. Bingo. But, that's the main but then, reason. Yeah. But then right. people still get mad right, at them. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that's why it's an amalgamation. Yeah. You're right. You can also so you have representation from each of the factions, so they can say, oh yeah, I relate with that. I relate with this. But then when they get it wrong, if they were that one thing, every every from that culture would be like that's not how we do it that's not how and they can be like no this isn't that this is this thing we made up and so it works well for you know for the story that they've created and i I, I think it helps that there's a there's a lot of 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 disney of white disney characters that also come from fictional lands that are obviously not fictional in their in their reference points like frozen right like that's Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I'm trying to think like Tangled is a just a generic British kingdom. It might right? be fr- uh, like French. Not. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Or but French you're right. Is is, I don't know. Yeah. Like I believe it's France, but, but I'm not sure. I mean, I know yeah, Beauty but the Beast is, but Tangled might be, too. Yeah. But but you you I think that gives them some cover too. that. It's like it's because like, if they were only doing it with with the non-white characters, like then it would be like, well, wait, wait a second. <laughs> like right, right, I, right. We get the game you're playing here. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, I just wish the story had been better because yeah, it is like you said, it's it's a beautiful looking movie and it's and it's well acted. Like the it's just I just don't feel like the story was quite there. And I think this is where you really see the difference in writing styles with Pixar. Is like Pixar will yes. just rework and rework and rework a screenplay. They'll throw the whole thing away if they don't like it. And start yeah, over. I mean, they've done yeah. that, what, two or three times where the, yeah. where it's just like, you know, we completely pitched it and started over because we just wasn't where we wanted the Toy it. Toy Story right. movies. Yeah, famously. I mean, they did it with Toy Story. They did it with, didn't they do it with Wally. They mm-hmm. did it with... Yeah, um, no, you're right. That's the thing. I, yeah. And I think Disney has been there on a roll. Like the stories yeah. when it comes to Wreck-It Ralph and Big Hero 6, those are fully formed. I think the the lessons are there. I think they, they nail it. Zootopia is a masterwork with what it yeah. says about race and, and treating people the same no matter how they look and, and all that. Like they Disney has got it to where they've been Pixar, like up there with Pixar. Like I said, the lines are blurred. I agree. There, where this falls short is the story and it isn't to the level of those others. So while it's not t- like the best of the best of the Disney. I think they did a very good job with it. And yeah, if they could hone it in a little bit better and get back to like those previous ones we mentioned to where they just nail that theme throughout. Yeah. You know, it also shows you where expectations are at because like if this was a DreamWorks movie, we'd probably just be jizzing all over it. Right. Because it's <laughs> like they're just not at the same level. Even when they do something right, they're just not at the same level. Maybe How to Disney Train Your Pixar. Dragon is pretty like top tier animation in general. I like the like, first one, and then the next two just were like really. Right. I thought that third really brings it home nicely. But anyway, but this is Raya, and uh, I mean, would you guys? To me, I feel like with being at home, still with the quarantine stuff, like this is thirty dollars on top of Disney. I guess I kind of know how Tom feels, but to me, if you're going to bring a family of four to the theater, I mean, thirty dollars is less than the tickets. Not to mention all the concessions and stuff. Let's talk about that for a second because I think this box office has not been that great for this movie. Yeah. I think Tom and Jerry last week did better than this and it was free, right? And I think well, a lot of that I just real quick to piggyback to to the counter to that argument is I think a lot more people have Disney Plus than have HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So it's like so it's not perceptually free to a lot of people because they don't 
they don't have HBO. Like they Max might have to sign thing. up for HBO Max to get Tom and Jerry, and they're and like, "Well, that's we'll just a barrier, go to the, yeah. you know." But um, but yeah, like I agree. I think thirty bucks on top of a monthly membership, I have a hard time swallowing. I think so. I think I think the they back that thirty dollars out of what you said, Kevin. Where like, oh, you take your whole family to go, and like the transportation and the concessions and the stuff, it all comes out to way more than thirty dollars. But like, you're at home, right? You're stuck at home, and you're paying this thirty dollars, and it just feels bad i think i think it feels bad to pay that 30 bucks and i don't know if i would have if like because i mean obviously i'm, I'm a member of the press i got to see this for free but i don't know if i would have pulled the trigger on on 30 dollars to to see this i i, I hate it's i hate hard. that people feel that way and i'm again i know i do saying, too I, I i'm do not too. saying that you can you should feel different whatever i'm just saying i hate that it feels that way because Disney is putting out new movies for people to watch. Right, and right. These oh, movies cost hun- hundreds of millions of dollars, and they yeah. have to recoup their money. And so I wish more people saw the value or that there was more value there for them because it's like I get both sides. I totally get that if you're going to spend 30 bucks, you want a big screen and surround sound stuff that maybe not everyone has. But on the flip side, it's like, well, Disney, if they don't make enough money to make this profitable, aren't going to be making these movies for us to watch. So like yeah. $30, I personally would pay it in a heartbeat for this if I didn't get it to review because the value is there to me at least for you know the whole family watching it, unlimited viewings. When I buy a ticket to the movie for seven, ten bucks and for the whole family, I don't get to watch it more than once. So for people yeah. being like, well, you, you, you do, you, if you cancel your subscription, you can't watch it. Well, I guess what? That's one step ahead of me going to the theater, like for yeah. rewatch. I think I, I get everything you're saying, yeah. and you're not wrong. It's just you're not right. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but seriously, like, like, like everything you're saying on paper makes sense. Right. It's just a psychological barrier, and and for me, the barrier is I already pay monthly, and what I think they might benefit from is and and i i get why they don't want to do this especially at this point although i feel like disney plus has reached a a tipping point in terms of number of subscribers that they don't have to focus as hard on acquiring new subscribers like i mean i know it's always going to be a metric for them like i'm not dumb they're they they already hit their three or four year goal in one year right so like what i think would maybe get people over the hump as it and it's again totally psychological Mm -hmm. if disney plus came at me and said you know, here's Raya and the second to last dragon, right? <laughs> and it's and anyone can rent it from anywhere for thirty bucks. But if you're on Disney Plus, you can rent it for twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Give I, them the I, discount. Yeah. yeah, because now I feel like okay, your membership like, paid into my that. membership. Yes. Like, it, like it gets me something. That's smart. Like, and my my membership gets me a lower price point on this movie because because everything you're saying is is right. This thirty bucks, since most people are getting a movie like Ryan the Last Dragon, they have kids. They're yeah. you know, and like so thirty bucks compared to a theatrical outing is a bargain. That is one hundred percent true. But there's just a pain point psychologically mm-hmm. to. You pay us monthly, and but if you want the really good stuff, it's extra, and that just feels kind of like a kick in the nuts. And, and I, I, but I will also say credit to them for letting people know if you want to wait, here's here's how long you have to wait instead of playing coy and be like, maybe it'll be six months, maybe it'll be a year. Like they could, you know what I mean? Like they could they could do that, but instead they say on this date, if you have Disney Plus, you can watch it. It's like and, this summer. It's June or July that it's yeah, free. Yeah, it's not too bad. And I will also say, arguing against my point, Disney Plus is inexpensive compared to these other platforms, right? Yeah, so, Amazon is Amazon Prime is like ten bucks a month. Disney, yeah, but you get 
that your stuff delivered so much faster. <laughs> like there, no, there's a, well, yeah, like, but no, I had but Amazon no, but just Prime. the video part is like ten bucks a month. They split okay, it now. I, oh, did they? I yeah. don't even pay attention because I just use Prime. And so, like I, like I was paying a hundred bucks a year or whatever just for Prime. So when they threw in video, I'm like, okay, no, that's, that's great. a no brainer. See, and I'll have Amazon till the end of days. I've had it since 2007. I think Prime. It's gone 100, 120. It keeps going up. I'll never get rid of it. So to me, Prime is free because I ship so much stuff. Totally, I, same, I, same. But so with Disney, it's so minimal that I still think it's free. If I'm paying three or four bucks a month. I mean, my son's watching the little kids shows. Yeah. Me and my wife are watching the movies. I did There's the pre Star- thing and then stacked Verizon on top of it. So I got yeah. it for four years at like, it was like three fifty yeah, a month so, or something. So, so yeah, to me it's not a big deal. And to so your somewhere point, there's a Disney executive being like, "Shut up!" <laughs> but to your <laughs> point, though, Tom, you know, and, and I don't want to just keep hammering the same points, but like from my perspective, they all, you are getting something with your membership. It may not be yeah. out everywhere else, and you get five bucks off to get this movie. But yeah. you're basically only paying if you want to watch the theatrical run. And then what your membership entitles you to is to watch it sure. for free in three yeah. months. So instead of just, paying twenty five now or twenty yeah. later, because I just think perceptually it would get people a lot of people over the hump that are like, eh, so. But like people but, are looking at this of like, oh, if I want to see it, I got to pay this extra money. This is more like, no, if you want to watch it early, pay the extra money. Right. If you don't it's free in three months so i I, it is psychological and i wish i think in a couple years like we won't be talking about this because it will be the way it is or you know probably whatever we land on will be the way it is but i just wish that people would be able to get more value from it especially single people i totally get if you live by yourself 30 bucks for a a movie that's a tough pill to swallow yes but uh, you know, it's it, it's it's getting people new movies still, and instead of Disney holding it for another year, I'm just glad that we still have movies to watch. Sure. And so, Absolutely. you know, if you have a family, I think for sure it, it's something to consider. Totally, it's such a weird so time, guess, guys. It's oh. so weird. <laughs> it very much is. Everything's so. in flux. I just we just yeah. don't know like what everyone's strategy is. It's it's such a weird they don't time. know either. Yeah, they they're, don't know either. Everybody's, yeah, exactly. Everybody's trying to figure find the the, the magic formula. Mm-hmm. So. But hey, don't worry. The CEO of of AMC made twenty billion <laughs> last year, up from ten billion in twenty nineteen. You so. mean mil- he didn't mean billion? He oh no, mil- I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. I, it sounded <laughs> so still. ridiculous. It's all made up numbers to me. <laughs> but, yeah, totally but no, right. sorry. The the CEO of AMC made in twenty twenty. 20 billion up from his, oh my god I can't stop saying <laughs> he made 20 million up from his 10 million salary in 2019 so 2020 that's, was such a great year for theaters they gross. gave him that's double crazy that's just gross so. yep. okay well I guess that's it for this one let's go around the table and uh, everyone can say where to find them this is Kevin you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin R Brackett and uh, Jeff where can everybody find you uh, you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com you can also find me on my own podcast uh, the Strange Harbors podcast, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. And this is Tom. You can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. And of course, don't forget our Patreon, patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, Enan is immortal if Draco is alive. Get ready for a spoiler. Won't say it's right. Cause we already warned ya Better watch out, it's gonna ruin the plot Real spoilers Real spoilers Real spoilers Hmm 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.